Hey, welcome back to Bobblehead Podcast to the uh, continuation episode of Opportunity and Innovation. And uh, today, Tim and I talk about the convergence of those two things and how they work in concert to build a better organization and um, tell some cautionary tales of, of companies that, that failed to listen to that and they're no longer in business today. So as always, glad you guys are here. Let's get started. Before we would even known about before, but hey, I think this might work, man. Let's just try it. Yeah. You know, and sometimes we're right, sometimes we're wrong, but you're right. If it wasn't for that... It, Opportunity means nothing without action. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's where I think inertia starts to kick in, right? You see an opportunity. It doesn't have to be the perfect action. It doesn't have to be the final end state. It has to be an action to create and op- to, to capitalize off your opportunity to either do something better or do something new based on, again, what it was that you saw before. And, and chasing that action or that innovation sometimes leads you to additional opportunities that you didn't know you had. 100%. Yeah. So if you think about the business we're in, we're in the software business for hospitals. So when we began to build our latest product, um, you know, as we got into it, you know, the, the team would come back and say, you know, I know we're trying to accomplish this and we thought this would be the direction we go, but we found this and this allows us to do X, Y, Z. And it lays the future for what could be five years from now, three years from now, not just what we're trying to create today. And so by taking that action, then it leads to other opportunity and it makes you think, wow, so, okay, now we have the platform to be able to not just this that we know of, but these two other things that we haven't really jumped into before. Now it makes me think about those other two things that we've never done or that we could jump into. And it allows us to decide, do we then innovate on those two paths? Yep. Yeah. And again, I think we'll, that's for the, the back half of the podcast for, for how those things you know mm-hmm. work, work in concert with each other. You know, I'm curious, and, and again, this will speak to the difference in how you and I think about things and how we approach things is, I'm curious what, what innovation means to you, yeah. right? That, that word, it, as it relates to business, as it relates to the market, what does innovation mean to Tim Elliott? Yeah, to, to innovation, it means is coming up with someone that, so coming up with something that no one's thought of before. Um, it's, it's trying to figure out how do I solve a problem that may or may not exist today. And um, coming up with, wow, if that becomes a problem or if, if that, okay, th- okay, for instance, think about smartphones and, you know, so those cell phones. And so I can remember years ago, Jamie talks about, you know, I told her one day, I said, you know, one, years and years ago, I said, one day you can do everything on your phone. Like you're going to pay bills on your phone and you're going to do this and you do that. And trust me, I wasn't the first guy that thought about that. I was just listening to people who were talking through it. And this was the day where you had this little thing with an antenna on it and you could dial it and make calls and not be connected to a line. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of you listening were going, what are you, man, you're old. I am. And, and but that was a big deal. And yeah. to think that we're going to now have a phone that does a computer inside of it and do all these things. It's crazy. But somebody somewhere thought about that before there was ever an issue of someone that really needed to do that right wouldn't it be cool if wow wouldn't it be cool if we could do this is this even possible and working towards that so to me you know there's two sides of that innovation is i have a problem in front of me and how do i address it and then the other side of innovation is how do i address a problem that people don't know they have and you know the people that are super successful and it's a slim margin because a lot of people have created some really cool things that really we didn't ever grab a hold of that didn't need. There wasn't a market created for them, but it was really cool. 
And then there's the things that, man, how in the world did they think of that, right? How could we, we can't, we can't live without those things now, yeah. right? And, and it's, um, you know, this is stupid, but think of, you know, back in the day, old Converse, you know, this was one of the first sneakers. Before that, everybody had leather bottom shoes. And so they came up with, you know, man, you're wearing these weird shoes with rubber soles and, you know, canvas and you lace them up and you can play sports in them. And to this day, people still wear Converse, but man, that changed. Nobody knew they needed those, but they came up with that. And now that drives the whole footwear market. Yeah. I, I think of innovation is finding more creative, faster, more efficient, cheaper ways to do either something that's new or something that's existing. Right? Goes back to methods and processes. Right. right. Yeah. You know, and, and for me, a lot of it is is we. I tend. I try to innovate internally inside of the organization. Mm-hmm. You know, how are we doing our accounting and, and finance operations? Mm-hmm. Right. We've we 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 find ways to innovate within there. Again, ways to do it better, faster, cheaper, more efficient with less people. You know, that way. As, and and I, I take that same approach internally as we do externally when we're addressing new products, finding new ways to address new needs in the marketplace too. Yeah, so it, if you think about it, it's like a knife, right? Is I'm, The way my brain works is I'm trying to come up with a new blade and you're taking blades that already exist and figuring out how we can make them more efficient, how we can make them sharper, how we can take something existing and, and innovate on that, right? Yeah. And, um, and the cool thing is if we work together, you can give me feedback so that you know, what I'm working on, I go, man, how do we keep this from even ha- having to do this, right? How can we cut this step out or, you know, whatever that is, but it's just, it's two different ways of, of approaching an opportunity, but it's, it's innovating on top of either something existing or it's innovating on something that doesn't exist now that needs to exist. Yeah. And, and it's, I think it's, very sexy to think of innovation as creating something new, mm-hmm. right? Something that, that the world so you're has never seen. I'm sexy? I yeah, always. But when you, when so you think genuine. about when when people talk about how to do better in the marketplace, they say make a better mousetrap. Mm-hmm. I don't say make a new mousetrap. Yeah, they say f- find a way to make a better mousetrap. Right. And so I think of the other side of the innovation coin is that it's it's not necessarily something brand new. It can be taking something that is new or something that's existing and finding new sexier, better ways to, to leverage what it is that you already have. Yeah, I totally get that. And that's, and you know, you can make, I'll say this, your way of doing it is more of a sure thing, right? So you're taking an approach, a problem that already exists, mouse trap, right? Mm-hmm. So you know you need to get rid of the mice. And so you know what's out there. It's how do we make this better, faster, easier, be able to produce it cheaper, make it more effective, go down the list, right? And, and that's how do we improve on what's there? And that's more of a guarantee. If we can come up with that, we know we have a market. We know yeah. we can sell a bunch of these, right? And so the other side of this is, you know, man, how do we just get rid of mice and definitely and not deal with mouse traps, right? Yeah. And that's going down a path of, you know, going all kinds of crazy thoughts of, you know, how do we make it where there's no more mice? Yeah. And, and, and that can lead to, sometimes really crazy things, some things that aren't good, but can also lead to big steps forward that, you know, we don't have roaches anymore or there's no more mosquitoes or, you know, whatever it is, but they come up with crazy ways to go, man, what if we just get away with traps, got, got rid of traps completely and do something 
completely different that no one's thought of before. Yeah. It's and just two ways of thinking, but sure. your, yours is definitely, your, your way is definitely more successful than nine to be, of the time. Somebody has to be, the you know, like Patrick Von Mousetrap. Right. He created right. the first mousetrap, you know, like, and we found ways to make it better, but somebody had to create the, the first one. Is there a book one. about Patrick? I think so. I yeah. haven't seen that. It's on Audible. Patrick Von Mousetrap. <laughs> Patrick Von Mousetrap, yeah. Oh, he was he was knighted like back in um okay colonial Virginia and when he was born he was destined to, he was destined to create that <laughs> yeah right? he was he was destined I yeah. mean when your name's Mousetrap yeah it was basically Sorry. an adjective I, yeah I, I really like that that's really good <laughs> write right. that one down thank you but yeah it it really is like you do have to start with something big something that really is brand new mm-hmm. and then I think the innovation continues by the refinement and the recreation and the yeah. reimagining of a tool that was once brand new yeah. I like that. And it's, once again, it's just two different ways of thinking about it, right? It's wholesale change and it's, you know, coming up with just minute changes to make things better to be able to create something more efficient, which makes sense, which is truly you and I's different mentalities, right? The way we think about things. And, and, um, you know, I, I know just since you've been here going on probably what, four years. Yeah. Four and a half. Yeah. Four and a half. Wow. Yeah, four and a half years. Wow, um, time flies when you're having fun. It's, it's like been, like we talked about earlier. Like somebody was, and we're like, you can. It's like the Hotel California. Like you can yeah. ch- you can check out, but you, you can can't never leave. leave. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, but but you think about you know the things that you've innovated since you've been here, and in the way you think about innovation, and you know, for me, it's it's those are those are things that I'm not good at. I'm not at man. I am the worst thing I am as an operational person. Look. Look at our first 20 something years and you can figure out that real quick. Um, but you've been able to refine us to a point where it allows us to do some really cool, the way I think about innovation and make it more effective and reach the market the correct way and think through not just, oh, wow, there's a new shiny product out there, shiny innovation, and everybody's going to want it. Well, let's think, how do we take that to market, Tim? Right. Let's, let's think about how do we price that? What's the value of that? What's, and those are all things I don't think about. It you will, know, but you do. Yeah. And, and I think about it this way. Like, I'm like, okay, so we've created a new product. We know of revenues coming in as, as, as a result of that new product. I try to, to innovate and refine the organization to make sure that I'm maximizing the return on that mm-hmm. in terms of net profitability. So then I can give it back to the research and development side of things so we can continue to innovate at a bigger level. Right. Give us the revenues, refine, and right. on and on it goes, right? Yeah. That's the way that it tends to work. Yeah. And, and that's good. And, and the part that I struggle with, and you know this of me, and I've tried really hard, especially since you've been here, not to do this is, man, I can go down some rabbit holes really quick when it comes to some stuff. And, you know, I see opportunities everywhere. And what I have to be careful of, it goes back to my Colby, is I have to be careful of is what I, what path I choose to go down. So we only have so much, say, R&D money to spend. So I have to make sure that, you know, what we innovate, what we choose to build and spend money on is the right thing. Yeah. And that's where I'm not always the best person alone to make that decision. But I come up and throw a bunch of things on the board. We talk about them. And sometimes none of those things are the right decision. Yeah. And, but sometimes one or two of them are, and we can look into that. And then once we know, we feel comfortable with, man, this is the right thing to build, or this is the right thing to do, or the right way to innovate, then we're all in together. Right. Absolutely. And and that's where we can make, and, and as, as we've grown, grown as an organization, it's gone from just a pure entrepreneurial organization to, you know, we make decisions together based on each one of our strengths. And end of the day, even though I have the right to say, nope, we're doing this, I've also learned to trust 
you to trust Cody, to trust Mike, trust Scott, trust you know whoever it is. Say you know let's really look at this, and and I I see a little bit of a problem with that, and let me tell you what that is. And for me to learn to have um, to shove the ego enough down to say you know you're right, that's probably not the best idea, and then but also have the ability to say okay I could go back to the board now and see what's next. Yeah, and I think that's part of the, again the innovation of us as an organization, the refinement of us as an organization is you feel the need to therefore you you act on less unilateral moves mm-hmm. right like mm-hmm. there really is you know we talk about stakeholder meetings and we do our own kind of access version of a stakeholder meeting but you know there really is input from security there's input from from engineering there's input from product from sales from operations and we tend to kind of come up with ideas together and then you have the ability to ask questions at your level based on your level of experience in the market and then it gets refined based on that. And then there's action created created from that. And you know, the, it's, it's taken a long time to build a culture where we can get together word. as stakeholders and they just don't go, well, that won't work because of this, yeah. right? Because that's the worst thing they can do to me is tell me that won't, that, that's not gonna work. That's a dumb idea because of this. Is if it doesn't work, tell me why it's not gonna work. That's okay, but let's don't, trash every idea that comes across because what that does is make me not trust you yeah and make and it tells me that and we had that for a long time is every idea was a stupid idea that whoever came up with and now it's everyone looks at it and really evaluates the idea and says okay my first thought is it's a bad idea and it won't work but let's think about this and and think about how this could work and doesn't mean it's going to but a lot of times what it comes back is you know what? We thought about this. This would actually fix this, this, and this. What if we what if we didn't do it this way, but move it 30 degrees and do it this way? Then it would enable us to serve the customer better, be more efficient, yeah. you know, whatever the case might be. And come then come back to the stakeholder meeting with, with people with, with everyone and say, you know, I had an idea. I like that, and here's the angle I had. Nobody's thought about that. And some of the best ideas that come from parts of an organization that aren't typically innovators. Yeah. Right. But they wouldn't have come up with the idea in the first place, but they were able to tweak a, an idea that's brought to the table in a way that makes sense to everyone. And that can't happen just in any culture. Yeah. And that's, and- that's really been able to, we've changed so much in the last three to four years to create that. And now we can see how our stakeholder meetings are so valuable and the feedback we get from the team is so valuable, whether we do it or not but it's true, valuable feedback. Well, and, and the world is a boneyard. It's a graveyard for companies that were once the greatest at what they did, but failed to innovate because they became so enamored with how they did things. I mean, BlackBerry, I think is right. a perfect example of that. Yeah, They were great at what they did. They saw opportunities to innovate. They had a default no mindset. Yeah. And we had that way, as, we were that way as an organization. Like we were so in love with what we did and how we did it that mm-hmm. we didn't want to change because it was yeah. working. It was good. Yeah. We're yeah. seeing results. So why would we need to innovate? <clears throat> the problem is you fall behind the, the innovation curve right. when that happens. And now you're forever trying to play catch up. And so I think it, it it's, it's important to approach an opportunity with a discerning eye and with mm-hmm. skepticism, but skepticism, not on, not with the default, no, but a default how. Right. Right. And I think that's been the biggest change that we've had is, is it's not no, mm-hmm. nobody ever really comes to a meeting with the default no mindset. We come with a, this is great, but how, and right. this is great, but what is the opportunity cost of what it is that we're doing now? Right. And we, we know what those are. We know what this is going to cost us in terms of hard and soft costs 
to be able to do it. And so again, we're approaching what it's, it's not, we're not going to do that because we love the way that we do it now. Let's be cautious about this. Let's be optimistic, but cautious and figure out how we do it the right way. And, and we've also learned not to come to the table with a sales pitch. Yeah. We come to the table with an idea and explain the idea, but you know, whoever has the idea is not trying to pitch it. It's not like a sales call. We're just trying to get it sold. Right? Yeah. It, it's literally, I'm bringing this idea and I want your feedback on it and genuinely want feedback on it. And that's, that's a big difference. So that's, you know, goes back to innovation and opportunity is man, the opportunity may be there and the innovation may be there, but it may not be targeting the right place. Yeah. And I think what we've been talking about for a little bit was, is the back half of the podcast. It's the convergence between opportunity and innovation or innovation and opportunity. Right. And here's how I think about it. And then I'm going to toss it over to you to get your thoughts on it. I, I generally think about it as again, something, something happens. There's, there's, a, there's a need for something in a market that is either a new market or an existing market that now the world needs something different. COVID has happened. Right. So what do we do as an organization? We, cre we seek to create something mm -hmm. to address the gap in that market. So there's an opportunity and then we innovate and then it comes and then we have the opportunity to talk to a customer. So the opportunity, you start to get, you get down layers, right? Mm -hmm. And I think every time you iterate, so we create something, we, there's an opportunity, we create it, we run it by a customer. We have the opportunity to get the feedback from the customer. So we refine, which is a, a further, you know, deeper right. level of innovation. Right. And so I, I think it's just this cyclical process of create or like identify, create, refine, create, refine, create. Yeah. And then eventually, I think once you get so far down, then it starts to work itself back out in terms of an offering to the market. It does. And, and, and then it becomes mature. Yeah. Right. And, and like we have two really big, longstanding, mature solutions we've been offering healthcare for 20 something years. And we have hospitals still using the very first innovation we came up with, the very first solution. Mm -hmm. And they still love it. It still works well it's kind of behind. We want them to move forward. There's better, right? But what they're, what they have is still working for them and that's okay. And, um, you know, I, I think back to, we talked to, you know, you, you, you talk about the product we built for, um, during the pandemic, but if you remember really, we built that a year and a half, two years before. Yeah. And we went to the, we thought it was going to be the greatest thing in the world. And we went to the market and the market said, no, mm -hmm. nobody bought it. Right. And so we literally stuck it up on the shelf. I mean, literally put it up on the shelf and said, well, it was a swing and a miss. And then the pandemic happened. And then everything everyone was screaming for was that thing we had up on the shelf. And so yeah. we pulled it down off the shelf and we went through that transition of, you know, we knocked off the edges. We kind of converted it over to this and made it more of this. And the funny thing is it was, it was, it was what they were asking for but it still didn't completely fix what the customer was wanting. And so in the middle of that's where we started creating this new solution that we just offered, you know, coming out in January. That's a perfect, it's a perfect meeting of what the problem is and the solution and what the innovation, the solution is, but it's now a platform that will even eliminate problems that people have never thought of before that we've thought of. So, so if you think yeah. about it, innovation actually happened before and we just pulled it back off the shelf because it wasn't ready. And there's been a lot of those cases. How many, how many products have come to market and they're way ahead of their time. And, you know, we were smart enough to go, okay, we're getting a lot of good feedback on this. People like it, but they're just not, they're not willing to write a check for it yet. 
And so to stop that, let's start putting more money into it. Let's put it up on the shelf and maybe it'll come back to us. Yeah, it's a fascinating way to think about it because you're right. It was it was developed before that. So there was innovation without a need, right? Mm -hmm. And I, let's use need and opportunity interchangeably. Right. Somebody really smart came up right. with that so, idea. So is it an innovation yeah. if it's not meshed with the need or the opportunity? Let's say it again. Is, is it truly innovation if you create something with that lacks the need or the opportunity in the marketplace for it to adapt, for, yeah. for it to, to take hold? In my mind, absolutely it is. It is? Absolutely it is. There's a lot of things we wouldn't have today yeah. if that weren't the case. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you have, you have solutions that create a market. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have problems that create a solution. And, and that's funny because, again, you're speaking to the difference in the way your and I brains work. Right, <laughs> right, right. To me, opportunity feeds innovation. To you, innovation feeds opportunity. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. It's just different ways of thinking about it. Right? Yeah, I've, I've, and, and I, and I, I, I I'm, it doesn't bug me for you to be wrong. It doesn't, like, at all. Yeah. I, I, don't, I don't mind yeah. that you're wrong about it. But okay. it's just... It, <laughs> It so is just, what it is. And yeah. remind me, who was it that came up with the product that we put up on the shelf that came back to be awesome? It's, uh, who was that? Yeah. I, who was that that I came think up it was with Chuck. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> wow. That's, that's, a, that's a hard left. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We, okay. we won't go down that path. No, let's that's, not go down Yeah, that. Patrick Von Mousetrap has a big, fat mousetrap sitting in front of that hole. It, it, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, and, and so, you know, it's... Man, it's, it's thinking ahead of what could be, and that's what I love and hearing things and, and hearing possibilities or what people did in the past and innovation that people came up with in the past and because there needed to be something and they came way outside the box and came up with, it's kind of like the book I'm reading, it's like, man, the compass, magnetic compass changed the world, right? And so there was a need, we had to figure out how to navigate, but man, who in the world would come up with that? How would, how would somebody right. figure that up, right? <laughs> and, you know, it's there's so many things like the airplane and People wanted to fly and coming up with the, how do you, how do you make something like a bird and the Wright brothers and a couple others came up with a way to be able to do it. And now within, I guess within what, 20, 25 years or when they flew for the first time, we had bombers yeah. that were carrying, you know, hundreds of thousands of pounds across the air over into other nations, you know, pretty crazy. So that's the part that gets me excited is creating something and innovating something that nobody's thought about before or a way of doing things that there just is nothing for it right now. Right? Yeah. I, I like that. I enjoy that. Also enjoy come up with solutions to problems, you know, but man, that's really where you innovate and that's taking existing things and making them better and figuring out ways to simplify, to hone, to make um, more efficient, and more profitable. Yeah. And, and so it takes both. It really does. And interesting side story, and we won't go too deep into it, but Hiram Maxim, who was the, the godfather of the machine gun, you know, the original inventor in the machine gun, he brought it to the Americans. Mm -hmm. And the Americans were like, we don't, there's no need for this yeah. on the yeah. battlefield. Yeah. So he took it over to Germany. Yeah. And it revolutionized warfare. Mm -hmm. And, you know, read, if you're curious, read about the Battle of Somme, S-O-M-M-E. Yeah. And it was really the first time that, that machine guns, that, that fully automatic belt-fed machine guns were utilized on the battlefield. And it changed warfare in a very, very gruesome way. Yeah. Um, but you're right. It's it's somebody created something. Somebody didn't see the need for it. So some, but somebody else did. Mm -hmm. And because of that, it gave them a massive technological edge. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody saw a vision for something that maybe not, it, the world wasn't ready for. Yeah. 
but, but until I, somebody was. Yeah, and I think either way, to bring this all the way back around is it needs to be a cyclical process. You know, whether you lead with innovation or whether you lead with opportunity, I think the two go hand in hand. And I think oh, there's yeah. a constant, there's a constant wheel and there's a constant revision and refinement of the innovation and of the opportunity. And if you marry those two well together and you're constantly listening for the feedback and you're constantly seeking to innovate based on feedback, then you can't go wrong. A great idea alone, even if it's way ahead of his time, ahead of his time is not successful. Yeah. It ha there has to be action, right? And there has to be, it has to be implemented the right way and it has to be honed and it has to get better. Um, you know, I, I think about, you know, Tesla and here I'm about to turn my Tesla in on a lease and I was actually working on it yesterday trying to get the gunk off because I took the vinyl wrap off. Not fun to get off, by did, the way. Did it really work? Did the stuff, did you find the mic stuff, the stuff Mike was talking about? Yeah, uh, it works. And it works better than anything else, but man, I worked two and a half hours and I'm not done yet. Yeah, so if you get on the stairs and see it, it looks like somebody threw mud all over it. It's nasty. I got oh, all really? Yeah, it's bad. We got all, nearly all of it done. But anyway, all, all that being said is, you know, Tesla was way ahead of its time in the way that they think about building cars. But man, their first iterations, and, I, and my car is one of them, Fit and finish is not good. Yeah. Like I was going over it yesterday going, man, these, <laughs> these panels don't fit together very well, <laughs> you know, but, but you know, what's underneath it and what's behind it is so far ahead of its time. And I was watching something the other night on the Gigapress. I don't know if you've heard mm -hmm. about that. I don't know if you, anyway, so what Tesla's trying to do is create a whole frame of a car in one piece. Like um, there's a guy that's on YouTube He'll take a car and he'll buy. He has a, some, someone other finances this thing, gets a car, buys it, and tears it completely apart. And he basically goes through and says, okay, it's really cool, but here's what they did wrong. They engineered it wrong. They're building it wrong. And so he went through and did that to a Tesla, I think the first Model 3. And he's like, man, this thing is a smorgasbord of parts thrown together, and it's not good. And he was on YouTube with it. And Elon Musk actually watched the YouTube and his reaction could have been, well, he didn't know what he's talking about. And his reaction was, he's right. And so he tried to come up with how do we, what's the best, more efficient way to do this? And coming up with a way to basically form and press the whole frame of the car in one piece. Wow. So the car is one piece. And if, if, it's, if you crash it and it destroys that whole one piece, the car is going to be totaled anyway, right? And so, but you do that. And so the car fits better. It doesn't rattle, all these things. So nobody had a press in the world. Nobody made them big enough to do two halves of a car. So he said, let's start there. Let's get two halves of the car and try to then weld those two cars, those pieces together. But yet we want to be able to do all one piece. So we, there were, I think, five different manufacturers for these aluminum presses. And so he pitched the idea to him. I have a vision for this and drew it out. Here's what the press would look like, the whole bit. And four of the five people said, it can't be done. And this Italian company, I can't remember what I can't remember what it was, name name of the company, but said, I think we can do it. And they came up with a way to do this. And they bought the first one. And now they I forget how many they have, but now the next version of it is doing all one whole frame in one press. And they were talking about, you know, at first we're like, how many cars can we produce? Man, I'm the number's crazy. Huh. They can one press can kick out a thousand frames in a day. Wow. And you don't have all these robots that have to, you know, 
that have to weld and you know all this if you've seen the line at tesla there's all these processes and all this automation and he's like we're getting rid of one press gets away it gets rid of like i think it's 100 or 200 robots wow just because we do it one press so thinking that far ahead and going you know instead of just trying to figure out how do we do this i want to go i want to skip 15 steps and go straight to the end and so you got got to give elon you know credit for that but also somebody to stand up and say man i see what you're trying to do i like the idea i can't do it today let's figure out how to do it right and so you know that's the kind of stuff that i get excited about but man if if elon wouldn't have started building teslas in the first place and had these problems he wouldn't be able to innovate and figure out how to make them really really cheap to build yeah right and so he's innovated something in the car industry that nobody's been able to do but man his first the first out out of the box weren't great results yeah when you think about what the original the original innovation was an all electric vehicle yeah. right and which is really a golf again, cart with a computer sure and, which is and, what it is you know a sidebar to that is that most individuals or companies in the world wouldn't have been able to cash roll tesla for as long as they did to make it profitable yeah. right yeah the capital outlay that was involved Huge. in that process was what five six years long before yeah. and they just lost tons of money and now obviously they're back in the black and whatever but you know, his original innovation wasn't to create the most perfectly fit and finished car in the world. Go buy yeah. a Ferrari if you want to do that. Right. We're here to revolutionize the market to create an electric vehicle. Right. Now that they've done that, now they've capitalized on the opportunities and refined the innovation to begin to address secondary things in their minds like fit and finish, which is mm -hmm. getting it to the gigapress. And now right. it's going to be the first all electric vehicle and the first single construction frame vehicle in mm -hmm. the world. And the number one, and they're the, and Give them credit they're the number one selling luxury brand of cars in the world not even like nobody's even close to number two it's wild the numbers are crazy yeah so good for them yeah absolutely yeah can't wait to turn mine in yeah <laughs> like, i love it so much i'm getting rid of it i'm getting rid of it going back to gas yeah yeah okay this has been interesting i've enjoyed this um take another shot if you're at home yeah do the shot game based on interest yeah Sorry. yeah or, or hey wake up wake up <laughs> yeah pay attention to the road now, we, thank you guys for listening, and uh, it's been a good rant. Thanks. Yeah, that was a fun one. All right. All right, until next time. Until next time.